Well, hello, boys and girls, sports fans and assorted waifs and strays. Guess who? It's Den here from Diginomica, and today I'm in conversation with Vinnie Merchandani, one of my favourite media combatants. For those who don't know, Vinnie is a business technology consultant who goes under the title of Deal Architect, acts as an advisor to buyers, and, when they care to listen, vendors. He's a provocateur and prodigious author who tries to live up to the moniker of a polymath. His latest book, Sap Nation 3, is due for publication soon and available for pre-order, so let's not forget the adverts, eh? Um, Vinny was kind enough to send over a review copy of the book, and he is far kinder to SAP than in the earlier tomes. So, but despite its 300-page length, I devoured it in less than a day. Well, how, come did, how did I manage that? Well, it's an easy read, avoiding the trap of getting too technical and losing the business reader, but also there's plenty of great customer stories 35 in total, I think, and that's mostly where I concentrated my reading. But there's also a solid historical walkthrough of where SAP has been, where it's at, and Vinny's wishes for the future. And in the interest of full disclosure, Vinny quotes me in several places, and some of which I am cringing at, but there we go. So, Vinny, at the risk of my yapping on too much and giving the game away, I said that at SAP Nation 1 and 2 were critical of SAP, and we know from dealing with tech vendors that they rarely, if ever, appreciate anything other than glowing praise this book is i think more balanced perhaps more nuanced than one and two so what's changed such that your position concerning this storied company has shifted over to you well dennis first of all always a pleasure to be with you uh i know we uh, get into nasty fights on twitter but it seems like on audio we are much nicer to each other so thank you and um you know, you're very kind when you say it's an easy read. Uh, the editors were actually complaining quite a bit. There are so many acronyms in SAP World and Gartner World and so on. And they had to, you know, put up with that and put up with that in at least 15 different accents of transcripts that I got from the interviews, you know, German, Dutch, Indian, so on and so forth. So thank you for saying it is an easy read. Uh, it took a lot of work to get it to be an easy read. Um, but you do provide a glossary, well, right? <laughs> I, I, I did. I did. <laughs> I ended up having to put a section called Do You Speak Sappies? Because it's, uh, you know, it's a whole different language, right? Oh, indeed. Um, <laughs> the, you asked me what changed. What changed, uh, Dennis, was, you know, I looked at two different historical timeframes for this book. I looked at the last five years, and then I also looked at the last 20 years of the industry. In the last five years, as you know, in SAP Nation, I painted a fairly scary picture of the ecosystem around SAP. You know, SAP Nation is almost as big as the country of Ireland, uh, a lot of failures in the ecosystem, et cetera, et cetera. When I started this research, uh, you know, I, I was like, ah, I hope it's improved somewhat. It hasn't just improved. I was blown away by the new products developed and acquired that SAP has released in the last five years. You know, there's a company called 3M that uses a metric. It's called revenues based on products introduced in the last five years. And they're off the charts because they're so innovative. They do hundreds of products every year. That metric could be applied to SAP, other than it's not showing up in the revenue yet. But certainly, if you look at product introduction, SAP in the last five years has been one of the most innovative 
uh, product companies, not just when you compare them against Oracle, Lindor, et cetera, but in the whole technology industry. So that was one thing that really impressed me. But we don't see that, that, hang on, Vinny, but we don't see that, yeah. do we? I mean, you say it doesn't show up in the revenues, but it doesn't show up in the case studies either. I'm, I mean, there were three in particular that I saw, which I had never heard before, and it's like, wow, these are seriously, this is seriously cool stuff, you know? What is Well, I, I think in the case studies, I have uh, machine learning, Leonardo machine learning, I have Leonardo IoT, I have something called Ascident, in uh, Asset Information Network, I have IBP. This is a planning tool SAP has. Cloud Platform, a lot of new products that didn't exist three, four years ago. Mm. And of course, acquisitions they've made, right? So if you look at C4, so a lot of those are spread around the book. And you've got to give credit to SAP for delivering so many new products. Now the adoption will happen over the next few years. But you got to give them credit for what they are, you know, what's on the shelf at least. Mm. The other thing that impressed me was how much more open SAP was this time. When I wrote the first volume, I repeatedly asked them for input, and you know they were careful or didn't want to deal with me. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to. Let's not get into that. But I got very little support from SAP in developing that, and then they were surprised when the book came out. And they said it was too critical of them, right? This time around, and I'm going to particularly mention Stacey Fish at SAP, extremely collaborative, you know, got me in touch with a bunch of different executives at SAP who in turn were very, very open to conversation, not just marketing to me, but talking openly about issues and so on. So I saw a very different SAP, and hopefully that comes through in the book. So if it's generous, it's because of the products and the executives who were part of the process. But, yeah. you know, in, in fairness, Dennis, it is pretty balanced. I am critical of the other vendors. I'm critical of SAP. I talk a lot about unforced errors in making indirect access, still out of control ecosystem, et cetera. Just wanted to, just want to pick up on the thing about Stacey. I mean, Stacey manages my team, Okay. And has done for many, many years, as, as you as you know, Vinny. Um, I know that she tries really, really hard. She probably tries harder than any other um, conduit, if I can put it that way, between the sort of analyst and media organisations and um, and the vendor itself. Now, it doesn't always work out, okay? And, and you know, you can never bank on 100% success, but... Um, She's been very, very good in that regard, and so I would, I would think that a lot of it is, is down to her pushing and shoving, um, and, uh, and 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 getting you in front of those people. And again, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to argue with you around the, the degree of openness that SAP has presented. Where I would argue with you, perhaps, is is over the the extent to which they're prepared to take action, because you know, as I said right at the top here, um, yeah. We appreciate your input, which I normally think of as coders. Go away, <laughs> or I don't want to know about it, or whatever the heck. But um, it, it remains to oh, be seen. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, to your point about them listening, Dennis, you and I have been beating up on them about indirect access for, what, years now, right? Well, not the only and thing. Support as well. <laughs> right. But, but even today, <laughs> they grudgingly will say, well, okay, we're going to change... It's taken so long 
and they send the wrong messages to the customer base when they when they're not you know firm about look okay we're down with it done with it right mm-hmm. they're still leaving open the up the the risk that people are still exposed to that so like i said there's a lot of unforced errors and i'm not kind to them uh two chapters full of stuff that'll make their executive cringe mm-hmm. well rightly so i think um Anyway, look, let's let's move on from that. Let's let's try and be a little bit more positive about this. What, you know, what else have you found here then, Vinny, that stands out from your perspective? Well, um, what, you know, the other the, the one disappointing thing that I saw was more around you know, five years ago. If you told me how the industry would evolve, I would say, you, you know, Salesforce, Workday, Oracle. Oracle has a fifteen-year lead with Fusion and so on. Infor has been doing verticals. Rimini and Spinnaker and all that are going after the maintenance. I would have thought in different ways, they would have ganged up on SAP and SAP would be in far worse shape. None of them has really gone for the jugular. Okay, So as a result, SAP is actually looking stronger than it did five years ago. Mm-hmm. It certainly had nearly 50% more customers than it did five years ago. I think the existential threat that I thought SAP had five years ago has disappeared. But, you know, you look at, okay, why did the others not step up? I mean, Oracle really has been somewhat ambivalent in what it's been doing. I mean, they're going after Amazon. They're going after platform. Their applications, given all the acquisition investment they made and the fusion lead they had, is actually fairly disappointing. Mm. Uh, Import has not delivered hardly any verticals, which was their big differentiation, when you remember when Charles Phillips came up, he said, I'm going to go after micro verticals, hasn't done much. Salesforce and Workday have been very focused in their areas, CRM and HCM and accounting, which is fine, but there's so much white space around the world and in different verticals and so on that they haven't taken advantage of. So, you know, I think kudos to SAP for having no, oh, just a second. Caught on pretty well. So I would say, you know, that that's something that comes through in the book pretty clearly. So let's try and pick this one apart because I know that you you had a fairly extensive chapter on there, and you know, guys like Jim Hollinshek, who we both know, making fairly detailed comments around this. Here, here's my take, and t- tell me if you, if this if you think this is halfway decent. 20 years ago, as we both know, SAP did have vertical functionality. I mean, I can remember going to Sapphire's where you saw the oil and gas booth and you saw the telco booth and all those kind of things, right? And so they did some vertical work, but they let that expertise walk out the door. And Hasso has said to me that it was one of, one of the big regrets of, uh, of his life that, that that happened, okay? But then on the other hand life has become a heck of a lot more complicated, hasn't it? Is, you know, back 20 years ago, what were we talking about? We were talking about HR and we were talking about accounting, and that's pretty much it. Yes, we were talking about MRP, but that was pretty much it. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have a whole bunch of, uh, of compute capability. Amazon didn't exist. So many things didn't, weren't around at, at, that, at that time. And so, yes, they made inroads. Um, but the last few years, life has become incredibly complicated. 
But again, the market has expanded dramatically. So the market generally, rather, has uh, expanded dramatically. So here's how I'm kind of thinking about it, and that is horizontal applications are a lot more attractive to a vendor because they're a lot easier to sell. It's a, it's a straightforward thing. Once I've taught it to somebody as a sales or an EA, they can go and deliver it wherever the heck they need to deliver it, right? Vertical markets is a completely different thing. I mean, you need to talk in the language of the people who, who are doing those things. You need to have an understand incredibly deep functionality. It's incredibly expensive to get it right. And oh, by the way, the world's shifting under our feet every five minutes. Where is the incentive to go for those vertical markets then, Vinny? So here's the thing. When you look at all the horizontal space, you're right. I mean, horizontal, you can sell to hundreds and thousands of customers, mm. right? But like I meant, like, you know, I mean, if you look at certain, certain of those horizontal markets, there are literally hundreds of players, mm. right? You're fighting against many more for that bigger uh, number of units. Okay? okay. Whereas if you go into verticals, typically the investment is much higher but you get almost a 30 to 40 year annuity from those three or 400 customers that you do sign up. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, if you look at SAP, I mean, they develop, like you mentioned, they have the IS utilities, they have IS oil and gas, 25 different industries. Mm. 20, it's been 20 years of gravy train for SAP in each one of those industries. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And there hasn't been hardly any competition in any of those industries. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, now you, you're right. Each industry has gone through massive change. So utility billing that SAP developed 15 years ago now has to take into account net metering because houses are selling back to the utilities. Mm -hmm. 15 years ago, we couldn't even think about that, right? When you look at utility assets, you know, they're talking to sensors on them are feeding information and saying, I'm ready for maintenance. It's a completely different world. If you go into retail, it's a completely different uh, point of sale, merchandising has evolved quite a bit. Every industry has gone through massive change. What that means is opportunity, right? Somebody needs to write those new applications. So what's happening is I see three different new competitors coming into that market. There are startups that are going after specific verticals. There are corporations that are investing heavily in their industries. So if you look at fintech, you, you know, in London or New York or Shanghai, there are big banks that are investing in fintech, right? And then they're going to sell that to other banks and they're going to sell it to consumers on their own. It's not the SAPs or Oracles that are developing that. Uh, and the third is you're going to see more and more almost like an open source community where 10, 15, 20 vertical customers come together and say, we're just going to build it on our own. We can't wait for these vendors to to you know, someday decide these are this is a lucrative enough market. So I think I think most of the vendors we know and love have missed are missing out on a major major vertical opportunity. You mentioned now they don't have to be sorry. You, they don't have to be sorry. Go on, Vinny. Go on. They don't have to be in twenty five verticals. They could pick two, three, four of them, and go after one or two a year, which I thought what within four was going to do. They really haven't de developed operational capabilities in any of those markets. I was going to say to you there, Vinny, I mean, in the book, you mentioned Uptake. And um, yeah. it, it's a company that I've come across from time to time. I, I won't pretend to fully understand them. 
but the story in the, the, their story just on one industry what was it wind turbines yeah it's like absolutely fascinating and in a world where we're seeing a heck of a lot of um uh, interest in, in sustainable energy and so on but again i've invested in wind turbines can you believe um it's the sort of thing it's where you think, wow. It's not disturbance. It's it's actually acid-intensive industries. Okay. So, so that could be railroads as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they're in oil and gas. They're in railways. They're in a whole bunch of very expensive acid-intensive in- industries. In fact, made, they made an acquisition last year, which should blow your mind. That allows them to look at failure uh, scenarios literally thousands of failure scenarios across major equipment. You can imagine with that content, they can now become much more competitive in that they can actually go in and sell predictive maintenance and other, uh, you know, other asset management uh, strategies through their software to anyone that has, you know, a big couple of billion dollar investment in an asset. Mm. So they're merging, um, machine learning, along with very, very detailed asset content. And you know, so their value proposition is very verticalized and is very content-rich. As we're talking, I've just looked them up on Crunchbase, and they've raised, what is it, $218 million. Um, Last round was a Series D in 20, the end of 2017. Haven't heard anything else since then. They, they do tend to fly under the radar a little bit. I would suggest. I, they, uh, you know, I, Ray Lane introduced me to them. Okay. And he was one of the early investors. So, I, you know, they they uh, they have been, I've, I've, I've been briefed by them a couple of times. Uh-huh. They tend to be open up to a point, but they are careful about sharing too many customers. It's Eva, dropping off soon. Uh, t- talking too much about customers and so on. Right. Right. Okay. But that, you know that's an example of a very very verticalized offering, and as you know in fintech, there are so many startups that are going after, you know they're trying to commoditize the payment process or the uh, foreign currency trading process. So gradually, different industry chunks are being um, automated. And it's not by the vendors we know. Mm, mm. What do you think happens next then? Do you think that... Uh, have you put that question to SAP, by the way? I it wasn't clear to me in the book whether you'd actually given them a good hammering on that one or not. I, I do in one... I, 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 it's one of the unforced errors. Mm. Because I said, you, know, you you had the lead given all the verticals and what you mentioned, Hasso, uh has told you that they had the talent and they let that go. Mm. They haven't... If, they haven't refocused on it. And I think it's hurt their S4 adoption because if they have the operational um, functionality for different industries, I I would suggest S4 adoption would dramatically increase. Because right now, S4 can cover financials and materials management and a few other areas. But it can do utility billing, it can do retail merchandising, it can do a whole bunch of industry functions mm. Mm, mm. now 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 into their to their defense none of the others has done it either right 
So the competition is not coming from Salesforce or Workday or Infor. It's going to come from the startups and it's going to come from corporations who decide they want to get into the market because the vendors are not. Yeah, I've been quite surprised at just how willing customers are to to place bets on startups um, in in place of talking to SAP. That, that that has been a surprise to me. But given what you're saying, maybe it shouldn't be a surprise. Um, and in, and in, in fintech, you're seeing Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan start to put big bets of their own. Right? They're they're doing their own startups, internal startups. Yeah. Healthcare healthcare is starting to see. You know, Ber- Berkshire Hathaway, Amazon, and J.P. Morgan have come together. They've formed a subsidiary, uh, an independent unit, to go after healthcare technologies. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, big vendors aren't making the investments. Well, uh, you say sixty percent are laggards here, Vinny. Um, I'd probably put it higher, if I'm perfectly honest, based on what I've seen. But um, I guess we'll know more. I mean, I, I, I think before we we spoke, I said to you that um, there's a particular customer event that I like to go to, which is run by um, SAP's largest SI in, in the UK. And last year, they were really struggling to get anybody interested in S4. Well, we'll see what happens uh, this year. It's a couple of months away, but we'll see what happens. We always have to wait, don't we? We're always frustrated. We never have enough information about what's going no. on. Um, in fairness, Dan, it's not S four is a big is a big ask, right? But even if they started to do a Leonardo project, even if they started to do some cloud platform development, to me that's a sign of movement. Mm. But I'm, I'm I'm defining bystanders as those that are on ECC or sure. business warehouse and just haven't you know they keep sending maintenance checks but they don't do much else. Right, 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 right. I wonder if there's also a question of fatigue here. I mean, we've talked about fatigue at implementations for some time now. I mean, did any of that come across to you, do you think? I Not so much fatigue. The case studies I talked to, I definitely saw caution. Yeah. Right? So I have several S4, ECC to S4 case studies, and all of them, most of them went on-premise. They didn't want to look at the cloud. Most of them have gone with SAP GUI, and you go, SAP GUI, that ugly thing that you've tried to get away from for 20 years? Mm. They try to be really cautious and not do anything disruptive to users. Uh, I also saw them, this is good news, be very cautious about consultants. They didn't just blindly bring in the big SIs. They're using small units within SAP. They're using small consulting firms and so on. So it's healthy that they are doing it differently than they did ECC implementations. Mm. A lot more caution. Okay. Mm. So I, I would say at least the ones that I that I profile, the caution comes through. The bystanders, you may be right. There may be fatigue that's like, look, we just finished the big ECC implementation. We're not ready for another 10 years. Mm. Definitely that 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 is one reason they're holding back. Uh, I would say also many of them in case of ECC are waiting to see, you know, is 2025 the real hard wall or is that going to be extended? The Holger Mueller had a great comment in the, in, in the book. He said, my God, can you imagine how difficult it'll be for customers who are still on ECC in 2025 to attract any talent and to have an ERP system that doesn't have 
machine learning or any of the other capabilities you're already starting to talk about. Mm. So, but you know, that's a risk that, uh, that some CIOs are willing to take. It's like the, the, the disruption from an implementation is, is just not worth it. Well, yeah. And again, you know, we've seen them, we've seen customers adopt surround strategies. I think sooner or later they do have to make a change. Um, because as you've, again, as you talk about in the book, um, numerous customizations that can be effectively eliminated through S4, you know, no real cost benefit analysis being done around that stuff, which surprises me. I mean, for goodness sake, I mean, that's kind of obvious, isn't it? Well, at least to me it is. Um, but I can understand why people are reticent. It's, uh, it's a strange world at times, isn't it? On the one hand, it's very interesting. On the other hand, it's very strange. Why do these people behave in this way? don't know. Not always sure. But what about the SIs, though, Vinny? I mean, you know, you've been very, very critical, and I think rightly so, of the SIs. So what do you think the story is there today? I saw, you know, some of the smaller ones I am impressed with. Yeah. I'm very impressed with SAP's service capabilities in pockets uh, around the world. You know, so the machine learning stuff, uh, they have design groups that help people work with that. I've seen others in Europe, uh, you know, that have worked with them on IoT strategies. So I, I quite like that SAP has these little pockets of service capabilities. The big SIs, Dennis, I haven't seen much improvement. Mm. You know, I mean, you know, we talk about machine learning. As an industry, we've done over a million ERP projects, right? Why isn't that showing up in machine learning and configuration and better estimating models and better work plans and so on. Why are we still not seeing automation of data conversion, testing? Why are we not seeing virtual delivery? I mean, it is, you know, I asked a Deloitte partner and he's quoted in the book. He said, well, in 10 years, our revenue model is going to be very different than it is today. And I was tempted to ask him, why 10 years? Why are we waiting another 10 years, right? So I, I just don't see the big SIs, um, and that includes not just the Western ones, but also the Indian ones, really evolving quick enough. Yeah. And, and, and unfortunately, unfortunately, I still see SAP somewhat in awe of the bigger SIs. Yeah. For whatever reason, you know, they, they just can't break that, break that um, bond. I think that's historical. Vinny, I think that's absolutely historical in the sense that, you know, if we go back into the mists of time when you were doing implementations at PwC and KPMG were coming along and Accenture got into the act as well, SAP suddenly understood that they had a very good and significant channel to market uh, through those SIs and let them, uh, let them get on with it, but never, ever controlled them in the way that, for example, Workday endeavours to control its... Uh, its ecosystem of SIs. So, you, you know, there's, I think there's a strong historical context there that SAP's never truly managed to get to terms with. The cloud gave them that opportunity, but they didn't take it, at least not as far as I can tell anyway. And I mean, you know, Jarrett Pazahanik talks about they, this, doesn't he? They did not take it. And, you know, in the book, we talk about it. Mm. And going forward, they're going to need a completely new set of talent, both in the community, right? Mm. Um, we talk about restructuring and so on. The, con the community has to evolve and their SIs have to evolve. 
there's going to be a lot more open source in the cloud platform. Mm. There's going to be a lot more machine learning in Leonardo. There's going to be a lot more IoT in Leonardo. You need a different set of skills. You can't just have a community that's ABAP-centric and basic-centric, and you can't have SIs who come from that world either. You need a blend of born in the cloud, born in the IoT world, born in the machine learning world, SIs, uh, and developers. You know, and, you know, go ahead. I was, I was going to say here, Vinny, I mean, you, you just reminded me of a conversation, not a conversation. Um, I went to a, I, I went to Baldorf, uh, and this will be around about 2012, maybe 2013. And I sat in one of the star buildings with, I think it was about 800 developers, and Hasso and Vishal, as it was at the time, were telling these developers, look, we have to change, okay? We have to move forward because, you know, we're going to be facing significant headwinds. The hostility and resistance to that in the room was palpable. I thought it was one of the best, I thought it was one of the best addresses I've heard Hasso make in a long, long time. And you know how passionate he can be at the, um, when, he's, when he's in good form. And he was absolutely passionate about this. And yet the hostility in the room was just, I mean, you could smell it, right? And I walked out of that a particular um, session and thought to myself, what is, what's going to happen with this company, right? Now, fast forward to when they put, um, uh, what was it? Um, oh, blimey. They put ABAP on, on, on Git, right? That got, the yep. big, that got the biggest cheer at TechEd last year, okay? ABAP. You talk about yep. this. All the ABAP... Um, little tags that go on your badge and that all disappeared. Whenever you talk about open source technologies and try to talk to the, the to the ABAP people about it, they 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 thumb their nose at it and there's ah ABAP's never going away. It's like that's not the point. That's absolutely not the point. But the point is if you want to take your technologies forward, if you really want to help your customers move forward, if you really want to help your employer move forward, you've got to start to picking up some of these things. And it's not as though this is new, because as I say, I know that this company's been talking about it for at least five, six, seven years. But for whatever reason, maybe it's a cultural thing, or maybe it's a DNA thing, I don't know. They they just seem to be locked into this ABAP world, and yet, as you very well know, and as Thomas Grassel says in the book, it's hard to find people who are willing to learn this stuff. Why? Because it's just not damn cool. <laughs> you know, It may be one of the best languages ever yeah. built for its purpose, but it just ain't damn cool. Sorry, go on. You know, in, 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 to, be, to be fair to SAP, I have a section on changing developer communities. You yeah. mentioned Thomas. Yeah. I thought his section was excellent in terms of his, you know, explaining how developer communities are mushrooming sure. around the world, sure. around the new tech. Brian Denny, who, who's a, you know, a developer, came from Colgate Palmolive, is now got an AI startup. He talked about how machine learning is starting to, you know, penetrate the SAP developer community. So it's not like it's not happening. Maybe it should be happening quickly, quicker, but it's certainly happening. I don't, I don't see SAP as that uh, removed from, you know, some of the some of the newer technologies that are starting to infiltrate the the customer base. So I'm I'm, I'm not quite as worried. I mean, you will see. You know, like with the restructuring, you'll see emotional reaction to change. Mm. That happens around the world. I don't think that's unique to Germany or unique to SAP. Mm. You know, people hate change. 
I wrote the last book about automation. There is so much fear about machines. That's it, it's machines, but it really is about change, right? Mm. People hate change. So I, I, I'm not that. I, I won't pick on SAP so much or their developers as much. It's that people hate change. I guess I guess you're right, Vinny. The trouble is, is that um, change is happening whether we like it or not. And um, if if you don't move on, then you know w- what happens. Is it, are you looking? At, are you looking which, for your retirement which, or what? <laughs> which is why I was really pleased, and you know, I I, I have several what I call risk takers mm. who are doing S four in the cloud, who are doing Leonardo uh, IoT, who are doing Leonardo machine learning who are trying out new things like SAP's integrated business planning. I mean, th- this is this is pushing the ball forward. It's yeah. not just, you know, not just putting in another uh, accounting system that, you know, a replacement accounting system. They're pushing the ball forward in many new areas. And some of the case studies, the Costco case study and the Queensland Treasury, Treasury case study about machine learning, it's taking SAP into new areas that, I don't think their salespeople ever would have managed to get into. So that that's actually the, the one thing that I really liked about all the case studies was the wide range of industries, the wide range of countries that SAP is starting to get into. But that then becomes a, uh, a double-edged sword, doesn't it? Because on the one hand, you've got these fantastic stories. And yet, on the other hand, we don't have enough instances of them to say, well, that represents a movement in retail or that represents a movement in some other industry or on and on and on. So, you know, I just want, I just wonder how they um, proliferate those things such that they become genuine revenue streams for them. I don't, I don't know how that happens. Have you, you, know, you know, you make a very good point, And I point out in the book that these are pilots yeah. who cannot, cannot in any way long term deals yet. Mm. Having said that, I point out a couple of times in the book that SAP tends to, has become an acquisitive company. Mm-hmm. And I said, stop. I said, stop. Maybe, you know, I was talking to one of the case studies is Louisiana Pacific, and they're implementing IBP. And Steve Fahey, who I quote in the book, I asked him, you know, you're an early adopter. How is that like? He's like, Vinny, I wasn't an early adopter. I was talking to 50 other companies around the world in different industries about different functionality. And it hit me. You know, SAP has customers in every industry, in every geography. If they wanted, they could pick five applications across these, across the customer base and develop it without having to invest in billions of dollars of acquisitions. It's there. It's right there. Its biggest asset is they have the most sophisticated customers in the world who can come up with use cases that are leading edge and can be sold to 500,000 other companies around the world. I mean, it's right there. Well, I wonder whether they'll be able to do it. I mean, somebody recently said to me, you know, don't underestimate SAP's ability to sell end-to-end. It's traditionally sold to the CIO. Sorry, once it's got past the boardroom, it's it's really into the technical weeds with people. But, you know, don't don't underestimate their ability to get to line of, businesses, line of business with a compelling story that goes from end-to-end. I said, don't tell me, show me. 
And that's where the conversation stops. You've been able to surface a lot of that stuff, but I think we've got to wait and see how it works out for the future, bearing in mind that they've had this restructuring, right? I would not underestimate SAP's sales force. Oh, God, no. I mean, it is. It is. It's got to be the best direct sales force in the industry, not just in software. Mm. So I think with a little bit of focus there, that, that can be unleashed. They need a layer of uh, analysts who can go identify these these white space application opportunities, mm-hmm. but don't underestimate SAP Salesforce. Okay, uh, they can they can they can sell to any business executive, not just the CIO. Okay, Vinny, we need to close this up fairly soon. Um, what else would you say from would be a, a big learning that maybe SAP could take out of this for themselves? I, you know, more than SAP, I think, I think it is something that SAP customers should really read the book. Mm-hmm. I mean, the 35 of their peers were very generous with me. And, you know, I, there's probably 250 pages of conversations with these customers. I think SAP customers should really look and learn from their peers mm-hmm. because they are blazing a trail for them. And they've been very generous at that time. So, right. you know, especially given how many of them are bystanders or laggards or, you know, let's not use critical terms, but it's time for them to start looking at how different SAP is than they may have, uh, you know, taken for granted for the last few years. So I, I think the onus is actually more on the customer base. Okay. The What I would tell SAP is, Quit making those stupid errors, those unforced errors over and over again, you know, and you and I will remind them of that, but it's just, sometimes it's just, a company doesn't seem to learn, right? Smart as they are, <laughs> sometimes they just don't seem to learn, so... Well, that, that's what I, well I, think, I, I, I think we can all be guilty of that, Benny, don't you? <laughs> oh, not me, Brian, uh, not me, Benny. Really? You, 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 on the other hand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Vinny. Listen, this has been a tremendous um, conversation. And in truth, we've only really scratched the surface. Um, there is an enormous amount to, to get from this book. And as I say, I managed to devour it in, in a day. But it's you know, one that I could go back to time and time again. Dennis, maybe after Sapphire, maybe we should re- Re, 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 you know, recycle and say, what has the reaction been like, and you know, yeah, what, yeah, maybe absolutely. we can do it. You still there, Vinny? Yep. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, absolutely, we can do that. Um, I will, of course, be from the cheap seats because I no longer travel. Um, I'm allergic to travel in all its forms. <laughs> I'm supposed to come to England at least once, not twice, in the next uh, six months. So. All right, okay, okay. Well, we, we may meet. We may meet up then. In that case, I mean, it's, it, just as just as a complete aside, and this has got nothing to do with what we're saying. Um, it's now the case that even though London is only a couple of hours away from me, um, the rest of my team always give it to other people before they give it to me. They don't want me to travel anymore. <laughs> well, you're healthier. You sound happier, so yeah, yeah. something's working. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure which combination, but anyway, there we go. Look, back to the book. The book is, is I think it's the best one that you've done for quite some time. You know, it's, you know sometimes sequels are, are, are weaker or what have you, but um, I think this is the, certainly the best one. It's certainly the most balanced and certainly the most nuanced that I've read in, in quite a while, and I think it provides people with um, a really, really good and deep view of not just where they're at and where they could go, but put it into a historical context, and that's vitally important, I think, for both customers and those coming to SAP for the first time. So, um, you know, I congratulate you on the book, Vinny. When, when is the actual publication date, by the way? I, you know, it's in the final. The design team is putting the final touches about converting it into ebook and so on yeah. and sending it to the printer. So the different, it's going to come out in different formats, ebook through um, Amazon print-on-demand and Ingram print-on-demand all the way across April I think it'll start to roll out okay I don't completely I don't completely control the production schedule but I'm hoping starting early April through through the end of April in different formats but you won't fight shy of telling us all about that anyway on Twitter (laughs) and other place will you Okay, Vinny, let's uh, let's shut shop for the day and um, let's see what happens in the future.